we take a look at Silver Surfer Requiem, The Incredibles, City of the Incredibles, and 2015 Secret War, straight ahead. Welcome to the Classy Comics Podcast, where we search for the best comics in the universe. From Boise, Idaho, here is your host, Adam Graham. All right, well, we're going to start our review looking at Silver Surfer Requiem, a miniseries written by JMS, the uh, creator of Babylon 5, and a writer on a wide variety of comic book series, uh, both for DC Marvel as well as uh, indie work. This is a kind of what-if story dealing with uh, the potential death of the Silver Surfer that was released back in 2007. For context, it's important to remember that Grant Morrison had launched his uh, series All-Star Superman uh, back in 2005, which focused on Superman uh, trying to... Uh, make sure that his loved ones and his adopted planet were safe once he was gone. So you can see how this story may have come about. It's also worth noting that from here, Marvel did do several books featuring the last stories of popular character, usually titled something like uh, The End. But just like in Silver Surfer, it was essentially a what-if story uh, rather than a situation where they were actually killing off the character. So again, this one is a what-if story. Um, I'll comment, first of all, on the art. It's by Esaud Ribic, and it is amazing. Just absolutely beautiful, gorgeous, painted artwork uh, that's stunning, and it really gives emotional weight and power to really every scene in this book. And so the art is just incredible uh, throughout, and it drives home uh, the power of the story by GMS. Issue 1 features the surfer going to the Baxter building. He clearly senses that Things are not right, and he wants Reed Richards to examine him. And so Reed examines him, and what he finds is that slowly but surely the protective layer that allows him to go through space as the Silver Surfer is beginning to fail. And because it's tied into his nervous system, his body is going to fail and he's going to die in three weeks to a month. And we also get flashbacks into the surfer's past and how, as Norn Rad, he had agreed to be Galactus's herald in order to save his own planet. And he'd hoped to lead Galactus to planets without life on them, but the infusion of the power cosmic overwrote a lot of his personality until he came uh, to Earth and the Fantastic Four uh, with the help of Alicia, Ben Grimm's uh, girlfriend, 
were able to jar that back into uh, being, and he stood and fought Galactus and saved the world at great personal cost. And so it was appropriate that he went back there. And he's facing death, and it really does capture all the emotion of that uh, as he's coming to terms with that and also putting it into perspective. At one point, he says the monarch butterfly has a lifespan of two weeks, uh, and that's a generation to the monarch butterfly, so he's like, I've got two generations left. In issue two, the surfer runs into Spider-Man. He assists Spider-Man because he sees some innocent people are in danger and he's just passing by. But Spidey notices something is wrong and uh, follows him and gets him to tell him what's going on. Uh, In many ways, this story works a lot better than you would think it was. Uh, because Spotty is not really a typical uh, major part of the surfer's uh, life, or vice versa. Uh, JMS at the time had been working on The Amazing Spider-Man. But in many ways, Spider-Man represents a sort of average uh, Joe, average person's perspective on Earth. And before the surfer leaves Earth, he wants to do something for the people on Earth. And he offers to give Spidey a taste of the power cosmic. But Spider-Man says maybe another day, but then he tells him there's not going to be another day. So instead, uh, Spidey brings Mary Jane, and she gets a taste of the power cosmic and rides off on the Silver Surfer's board. And it's worth noting that Spidey and the Surfer have a really good discussion where Spidey asks, what about the surfboard? And Surfer explains it's not a surfboard, that it's a case of form follows function uh, because he needs something to ride around the cosmos on. And when Spidey asks, why not a car or a plane? He said, you know, once you felt... Uh, the feeling of traveling through space, why would you ever want uh, a barrier around you? But when Mary Jane gets back, she talks about what it felt like, and it was definitely a very emotional experience. And the emotions of it give Spidey an idea. And uh, he, it's beautifully written. I'll read extensively uh, from this, hopefully not too much. If he could extend the power cosmic to MJ and let her feel what he feels, let her experience the kind of freedom he has experienced, let her see the world as he sees it, whole, beautiful, with the prospect of peace always at the center of it, then might it not be possible for just a moment to let the whole world feel what that's like? Assuming, of course, that the effort doesn't kill him first. In prison cells where light could not penetrate, in cities and villages where the gnawing ache of hunger was eternal and tangible, in torture camps and war zones and the parliaments of tyrants, in distant places where hope had become a mockery and tomorrow was only a promise of continued pain and suffering, 
in the thoughts of those who cause violence because they knew other way, whose own minds were as torn and tortured as those they harmed. For five minutes, they knew what it was to be at peace, to be free. And five minutes had been all the surfer could afford uh, spread across the whole world. But as Spotty said, who knew what would come of that? And the surfer uh, starts to leave, and and that gets Spotty uh, even more reflective as he go. As he rose into sky, I thought, how sad that we didn't know him better. That his voice was heard so little when he had so much to say. Why do we always realize these things when it's too late to do anything about it? Uh, issue three uh, finds the surfer heading back up into space. And you actually think, you know, he's going back into space and that's all for uh, scenes on Earth that'll really uh, get you. But before he leaves... Stephen Strange appears in his astral form. Of course, Strange was uh, the surfer's longtime teammate on the Renders. And that farewell uh, moment is just another uh, moment where I cried reading this book. I think I cried reading every single issue of this book. Uh, so, well done, I guess. Uh, this story does kind of go in another direction, which I think almost uh, derails it. Uh, but uh, the surfer comes across two planets that discovered each other and then went to war because of religious differences. They had been at war for 50 generations, and they asked the surfer to uh, see if, in his wisdom, he could pick one side to get on and to win. And the server said he didn't really see a difference between the two sides. And the people on the planet were like, oh, well, okay, we're not in any hurry to end the war. But he saw the devastation, and he flew out and uh, destroyed both sides' capability to make war, even though they were actually able to hurt him because of the sickness, and then he flew to each of their planets and destroyed their shrines. And the alien narrator who was describing the surfer's visit said he proved that there was no greater hand than ours at work. And I guess there's a couple ways you could take that. One is just as an absolute cosmological statement, or the other is the fact that whatever uh, their deity's status, they were not behind the war. The people were. Which is a more reasonable viewpoint. And while I think that having the surfer after, you know, most of this, these uh, first uh, two issues and the final issue really focus on him with familiar people and places... Um, having him visit some random aliens is kind of iffy. But it does show the surfer's overall heart and uh, compassion and desire for peace. And the surfer said, if sacred places are to be spared the ravages of war, then make all places sacred. And if the holy people are to be kept harmless from war, then make all peoples holy. 
And that expresses so much what the surfer is about. Uh, issue 4 sees his return to Zen Law in order to die. And I won't give away a whole lot of details. It, it's very emotional. Um, as I said, I cried in every issue. This was no exception. Uh, and then the story takes a very interesting turn when Galactus shows up. Uh, you know, as the surfer's dying. And when I was reading Dina, I'm like, oh no, he's going to have to uh, confront him again. But it didn't go quite how I thought, and I was really pleasantly surprised. Overall, this is just a great uh, graphic novel. Uh, and in many ways, I think it's better than All-Star Superman. Now, don't get me wrong, All-Star Superman is wonderful, but this is a better story. I think All-Star Superman is a more fun story because it deals with a lot of the fun parts of Superman's mythology and is able to play around with that in a way that this book doesn't. It's a lot more straightforward. The big illustration, I think, in the difference in depth between the two books comes to, down to what the hero's main concern is. In All-Star Superman, Superman's concern is about the physical safety and security of the Earth. In Requiem, the concern is about the people of Earth and about their need for peace within themselves and on the planet. And I would argue in a superhero-based universe like either the DC or Marvel Universe that that becomes more obviously the bigger concern. Because at the end of the day, even if a hero as great as Superman or the Silver Surfer leaves the world, it is still a world full of heroes. The DC Universe has Wonder Woman. The Marvel Universe has Thor and a lot of others. So odds are that somebody will be able to protect the planet from major cosmic threats. But that need for peace with yourself and with others, that it looms large. And the lack of that could destroy what asteroids or invading alien demigods couldn't. So I think as a focus, it definitely is more profound than All-Star Superman. And in some ways, as you're reading it, it can be a bit uh, gloomy and uh, a downer, but it's also quite beautiful. It's written as a reflection on life and death, and the power of a life well-lived. The combination of words and fantastic art make this just a great read. Even at less than a 100 pages, it's just an incredibly fine and moving graphic novel, and it earns my rating a very classy. Next up, we have The Incredibles, City of the Incredibles, and I should say that this book was originally released in 2009, and it, and it followed the miniseries All in the Family. The events of these books have got to be considered non-canon since the release of The Incredibles 2. But that said, let's take a look at the book. 
A City of Incredibles collects issues 0 through 3 of the ongoing Incredibles series. Uh, issue 0 uh, actually tells about the birth of Jack-Jack, and that there was this very specific uh, doctor who provided uh, services to supers, including baby uh, delivery. However, uh, the Confederacy of Crime had... Uh, broken in and was intimidating the doctor and one of them shifty is able to change shapes and he tries to trick mr incredible but he sees through it and he and the family go in and overpower uh, the confederacy of crime and save the doctor so that jack jack can be delivered with the diagnosis of not having any superpowers at all However, they had been seeking a cylinder containing a virus. And Jack-Jax is exposed to the virus. And uh, issues one through three focus on what happens when that virus develops. Because the effect of the virus on Jack-Jack is that he gives his powers to anyone who's nearby and catches it from him. It makes superpowers communicable. It starts when someone who is just a henchman gets uh, Jack-Jack's fire shooting power. And then you have all sorts of super-powered henchmen ready to assume their place in the world before the Confederacy of Crime moves in. Overall, this is a fun story. Writer Mark Wade seems to have envisioned this as really a very Silver Age uh, world. There's some fun fights... Uh, and just some good action. A little bit of mystery as to why Agent Dicker is acting so weird. But other than that, it's a perfectly fine and perfectly fine story. If I had a problem, well, I guess there are two problems. One, it doesn't have a whole lot of uh, emotional depth. It's just fun. It's definitely made for kids, while I think the Incredibles movies are more made for both kids and adults. Also, the idea that the Confederacy of Crime comes back when Supers comes back kind of suggests that these super criminals are only doing what they're doing uh, in order to uh, fight the Supers. Which is not a viewpoint that I would generally find agreement with. But it's a minor point. I think that the book is fine, uh, particularly for kids. If you want some more Incredibles adventures, uh, this is worth checking out. Even though, again, as I said, it's non-canon, I'll give it a rating of somewhat classy. Next up, we have Secret Wars. Now, this is not the uh, original Secret Wars from the 1980s. Rather, it's the one written by Jonathan Hickman in 2015. Just like in uh, Requiem, uh, the art is by uh, Isad Ribic, who does uh, another great job. Uh, And really, the art throughout this just looks fantastic. Uh, the plot is that the end of the multiverse has happened. And uh, it is shown that uh, this is the end of both the main Marvel Universe and the Ultimate Universe. That happens, you know, right in the first issue. And there's kind of a notation, uh, Marvel Universe, 1961 to 2015, Ultimate Universe, 2000 to 2015. 
And what we have after the destruction of all things is a world where Doom has made himself god and king uh, on uh, Battleworld, which is essentially a hodgepodge of different worlds and dimensions and territories taken from each. And in fact, many of these battle worlds would be the subjects of their own miniseries. Uh, the the one that was the most interesting and has had the last most lasting impact is Amazing Spider-Man: Renew Your Vows, which, given the stated goal of changing it so we just have one whole Marvel universe, uh, technically shouldn't exist. But I'm glad that it does. Um, and you, you have some other things. Uh, it's almost a fantasy setup. You have uh, policemen in this world are known as Thors. There are multiple versions of Thors who are uh, policemen and uh, do Doom's bidding. However, a ship from the old universe survived, and several years later, it uh, comes to rest and its occupants come out. And somehow Miles Morales um, ends up uh, surviving and from the Ultimate Universe. I was a little confused as to how he got there. Um, but I guess that wouldn't uh, match my confusion as the story goes on. Because Reed Richards is on this world, and in many ways, Doom has stole Reed's uh, life. He, in, when he rewrote the universe, he rewrote himself as married to Sue. He gave himself uh, Reed's kids. And um, eventually, everything is heading towards a confrontation. Because the idea is that even with all that he has, Doom is still afraid of Reed Richards. And of course, Reed Richards wins in the end because he's better. That's at least what I can gather. Uh, the story really does um, have a lack of coherency as you start I introducing all of these elements. You have, you know, T'Challa and Namor off somewhere and all of these different elements of the battle world, that it's hard to keep up with what's going on and follow the narrative in any convincing way. I also think that other than Doom, we weren't really given a character who had a compelling through narrative. We see a lot of characters who are fan favorites, but there's not really an arc for what's going on. And this story, I think, is hurt because it does compare itself to the original Secret Wars, which not only had great art, but a compelling storyline with arcs for different characters. You didn't just have everybody being there to be there. I mean, the way this is written, Reed Richards is the ultimate hero, and I think we really needed more time with Reed and more of an emotional reaction to Reed, uh, by Reed to what Doom has done. And uh, we actually get more reaction from Doom as to what he fears uh, Reed's reaction will be. It also underdelivers. Uh, when you see the uh, end of both the Marvel Universe and the Ultimate Universe, I think it'd be reasonable to expect that you're going to have something like a Crisis on Infinite Earth situation where you're going to get a brand new universe. And that doesn't really happen. 
you end up uh, essentially with a the same Marvel 616 universe, but with Miles Morales in it. And because he was nice to the Molecule Man, the Molecule Man goes ahead and resurrects his dead mom, his dead uncle, and brings him into the new universe. It's really implausible uh, for what they're trying to do, but I think for if that's the reboot you're wanting to do, uh, something less universe-spanning is indicated. The only other thing is that this uh, effectively wrote the Fantastic Four out of uh, having their own Marvel comics, with Reed deciding to stop being a superhero after the events of uh, this story, and for him and his family just to focus on science. And this is ultimately a pressure tactic to get the rights back to the Fantastic Four from Fox, which has kind of worked out, and now you do have the Fantastic Four uh, returning to the Marvel continuity. Overall, I'll give this book a rating of not classy. Despite the great artwork, the plot just falls apart. We're never given a real reason to connect with any of these characters or their quest. The plot is convoluted. Doom is so overpowered, it's really hard to understand how Reed wins. I think we more get the impression that Reed wins because he's awesome, rather than us understanding why and how he was able to uh, defeat and dethrone Doom. It's a story that overpromises and underdelivers. The best, I think, that can be said for Secret Wars is that the battle world ideas can be pretty neat and some of them are well executed. But as for the event itself, it's just overblown and not really any different than any other uh, superhero event, and I think it's well worth skipping. All right, so to sum up, we gave a big, uh, very classy reading to Silver Surfer Requiem. We gave a somewhat classy to uh, City of the Incredibles, a nice Silver Age comeback. And uh, then we went ahead and we gave a rating of not classy to uh, Secret Wars. It's an overblown Marvel event that invokes, but doesn't really capture the charm of the original Secret Wars story. All right, well, that's all for now. If you do have a comment, email it to me, ClassyComicsGuy at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at ClassyComicsGuy. And rate and review the show on iTunes. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.